What's up, everybody, and welcome to Mostly Film. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan McWhorter, joined by my beautiful co-host, J.P. Patown. Okay, last time. This is the last episode you can say Patown. But I've changed it. I put a little E in there that time. It's, it's closer. It does. No one hears that. You say own. It's disgusting. <laughs> Just, it's vile. What if your last name was Peyton? No, it's Peyton. What if it was own, though? You watch Fantastic Planet? No. You should, then you'll feel better about it, because they're called the Ohms. Okay. There, you would be. You'd feel like it's an honor to be called JP Peton. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you, you know that all started you... with puss. Well, Jappé, I know. Yes, yes, I know. So puss and boots started that. So, uh, which is probably why I have not watched puss and boots, and probably won't watch Fantastic. Wait, I thought you now. did watch puss and boots. No. On the last pod, you like you discussed it as if you had seen it. No, I just discussed it as like the success of animated movies. Oh. Well, you should watch Last Wish. I it's very good. Won't because you keep saying Peyton. If you watch it, I'll quit saying it. Okay. How's that for a trade? I'll watch off? it when I get home tonight yeah. at like one o'clock. No, no. You do it, do it. Give yourself a proper watch. Uh, where you don't have to watch I it. Give everything a say. proper watch. No, that's not true. You watched freaking uh, <laughs> Meaning of Life at th- fast forward speed. I did. Anyway, this is your one stop chaotic, chaotic shop for all things in the world of cinema. Yep. I am one of your hosts, Jonathan Recorder, joined by my illustrious co host, JP <laughs> Payton. That was better. better. That was better. That's the only reason I'd I did that. I'd rather be is, on than own. The <laughs> only reason I did that is so, because <laughs> on, on, the, on the promise that you're going to watch Last Wish. So, uh, hey, which Spider Man into the Spider Verse comes out this week. Next week? No. This week. Really? Yeah. Okay. This, we going to see that? I'm there Thursday. Well, you got your stupid Jesus worship. Jesus, I got practice. I had <laughs> yeah, rehearsal. Jesus worship is not stupid, but rehearsal <sighs> on Thursdays that, is lame. I know you heard that, Lynn. Re- rehearsals on Thursdays is lame. That's movie open at night. I can't help it. Uh, it used to be on Wednesdays. That's better. That's a church night and it's not opening movie night. I, I know, but we had to change it. So stupid. Anyway, um, it's Cohen Brothers in review time. Yeah. So we are up to our what? Two, four, six. This six and seven or seven and eight? Seven and eight. Okay. These are my least two favorites we've seen. That's wild. Wild. Blood, take. Well, Blood Simple is actually my lowest. Then, I, I, then I Tragedy of Macbeth. Then Raising Arizona. Wow. I had the HUD Sucker Proxy rated above these two films. I can't wait for this conversation. Which one do you want to start with? Well, we're starting with Tragedy of Macbeth. So we watched because... Raising Arizona and Tragedy of Macbeth. Yes. Those were the two for this week. Yes. And your boy Johnny didn't really vibe. Now, I've seen Raising Arizona. But it's yeah. been a long time. You had not watched Tragedy of Macbeth Never before. seen Tragedy of Macbeth, and I don't feel like I missed anything. What was your What was your expectation going into this? Like, what I what would what tone no, were you expecting? I was expecting more film than play, and I was expecting more <laughs> streamlined, watered down, dumbed down dialogue that I could understand and follow. Well, it's history. It's theater. It's not a play. This is I don't theater. like the theater. Apparently, what do, you, what do you want, girl? So I recant my statement that this is what plays are like. I don't want to go see it. That's depressing. Like, if I go see a show, yeah. like if I went and saw Wicked, are they going to be talking like this? No, they're that's not just the like Shakespeare this. part this of it. Is just, it's just Shakespeare. Well, I'm not a fan of the man um, because they, really, they talk like he, some douchebags in this film. It's, it's unfortunate because Shakespeare is responsible for a lot of the uh, thematic. I get that, but you know, the, the, thankfully we don't talk like that anymore. I, that is, I doth yeah. protest this bullshit. Death. It's awful. Listen, let's, it's like, let's it's like listening something, to the King let's James get something version. Something straight. 
subtitles are an absolute must. See, I don't watch I think subtitles. that's part of the reason why this movie is monochromatic from the get-go is so that you don't have another distraction to keep you away from the subtitles. Um, they're needed. I, don't, I didn't watch it with, with subtitles. What the heck is wrong with you? Because I, I made a conscious decision about three minutes into this film. Oh my God, that you were, you were out? No, that I was like, I am smarter than this film. So your, frust- I can listen. So your frustration in this is based off hard-headedness? Arrogance. Yeah, that I can you said watch it, not this, me. That I can watch this film and no. understand it without subtitles. No. So I set my phone aside, put it on airplane mode so I'd have no distractions, and I watched laser-eyed, and I can confidently say after 105 minutes... I understood nothing. Oh my god! I had to literally the moving pictures in the background had to help me understand what was happening. Th- this is frustrating. We're starting off this podcast on on a very high frustration. They level. should have just recreated the film with modern speak, like that Ethan Hawke movie you added to your watch list, Hamlet. Yeah, modern day adaptation. Film it in monochromatic <laughs> style with the exact same cast. I'm all in. No. But Shakespeare and me to death through this film felt like death by a thousand cuts. So the tragedy of Jonathan. Let's get something straight. I don't think you can you're doing a movie about the tragedy of Macbeth. You're not reinventing the wheel. No, um, they definitely not. They went back to the Stone is Age. Is that really the worst thing? For this? Yes, it was terrible. Right, well, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the pod. Uh, it was when a we beautiful talk about our topic. film beautiful it looks great the performances were great but were they okay so let's let's just just monologue let's let's take a step back and let's just talk a little bit about the plot for Macbeth not Macbeth oh yes Macbeth this is the last episode we kept saying Hamlet yeah what we kept saying Hamlet yeah I was listening to it back we talked about Francis McDormand being a baddie in Hamlet over and over and over and over and over and over and over again yes oh yeah sorry two weeks ago (laughs) Uh, so anyways, um, Macbeth is visited by the Weird Sisters. Not Francis McDormand. Not Francis McDormand. Well, I'm, talking, it- I'm talking about the the play Macbeth, not the tragedy of Macbeth. Um, Macbeth is visited by these Weird Sisters who are witches who basically tell him in form of prophecy, basically, that you're soon to be named this, I forget the actual name of it. Thane. Thane, Thane of Cordor. See, I watched yeah, Thane, the Thane of you know Cordor. Been better. He was the Thane of Mordor. Yeah, Thane of Cordor. I would have had more fun. I thought Cordors were like birds. <laughs> I thought Cordors were like the corner of your house. All right. Anyways, or the entryway. He's gonna be called, uh, be named Thane of Cordor, um, and soon, basically king. And he was like, "This is." I was dry heaving the whole time watching it too. <laughs> like, Luna, Luna is is dry heaving at this moment. So. That's that's for that, uh. But see, interrupting me, I plot synopsis, and I like I get all thrown off, bro. Well, is, it, is it her little soft tongue licking no, you too? No, it had nothing to do with that. Uh-huh. Um, it's your hate on Macbeth. If it makes you feel any better, I've been a hater of the. It's funny because I'm like the most art lover person, whether it be games, music, or film. But I'm a hater of the arts <laughs> because I don't understand it. It's not, it, it's, it's not, true. it's not a, and if you turn on the subtitles, you might've at least understood more half. So basically Hamlet or Jesus Christ <laughs> is not in this one, but maybe later. Scorsese next year. Yeah. Uh, Macbeth 
is uh, said that he, he's going to be Thane of Cordor and soon to be king. Um, but he's like, hold up. How can I be Thane if there's one already alive? Mm-hmm. Come to find out this dude's going to be dead. Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. Brendan Gleeson, the king of Scotland. This must take place after yes. Banshees of Inishirin. Jesus, yes, it does. All right, so basically, I didn't do a finger the moment count. he, I know, the moment um, he finds out that these there's there's um, relevancy to these weird witches, um, weird sisters' words, he basically takes them to heart and tells his wife. And from here on, they Francis basically McDormand. plot out how they're going to ki- kill the king and move his move his way up into being king. Yeah. Um, and it basically becomes a story of Game succession. Of yeah, G- Game of Thrones. Um and Thrones, Game of Thrones. You yeah, I can definitely tell this is gonna be a masterclass uh <laughs> topic, you know, on, on this movie. I was really looking forward to it because I, th- I thematically like there's really good stuff in this. I had to read the play <laughs> in high school and I felt like I just watched the play. I've I feel like I just watched an audiobook. I love audiobooks, bro. This was not a Jonathan movie. That's the so cast sad. is a Jonathan cast, and the mono- the art style of it, beautiful. Wa- while bare bones, beautiful. Bare bone. like it. It is. It was very in- scaled back. It, that's what I say. It felt like a play. So it, it opens up with this super loud clang, which is it is meant to let you think this is spotlight on, and from the moment on. Like it is like this is like a, a pageant playhouse, like mm. like this is a theater production. Um oh, well, pageant playhouse would insinuate that there's fun to be had. That is true. That there's was, no fun to be had in there, this film. There is no fun to be had. <laughs> no. Um let's get something straight. I'd been a long time since I watched this movie. That's the only reason before we recorded. I loved it. I watched it with my wife and she she hated me for it for a while. She was upset. That's right. Uh, Caitlin kind of has a, a Jonathan approach to movies sometimes. <laughs> uh, doesn't appreciate the finer things in life. I appreciate the finer things. I don't <laughs> like plays. You didn't warn me that this was a Shakespeare well, play so with it, Denzel it Washington. And they start out with the old English like... And like, it's a Coen Brothers. I thought I just expected something... Coen-y about it? Never happened. Uh, their filmography... Like not their filmography, like their, their cinematography. The I think the execution in like the dialogue, because in casting people with an overall pre-written script, like it's up to a director's vision yeah. to pull that out of them. Um this is just a Joel movie, but well, Ethan's a producer. He's a yeah, producer. No, yeah. isn't Ethan's it? always helps. Has writing credits. So or let me just ask: credits. What did you think of Denzel? It was good. I think he killed it. Here's the problem with this film: while impressive, I could never do it. Yeah. Even if I had an innate talent to act, mm-hmm. I could never memorize this shit. Yeah. There's no way. That's why it's impressive. So yes, that's why you appreciate it. I didn't say I didn't appreciate it. Never yeah. once have said I didn't you, appreciate it. Never you, once have said, said those you words. Said, you said everything but those words. You're saying it without saying well, it. Well, now I'm here telling you the monologues are impressive. 
That doesn't mean I enjoyed them. It's not. No, it means you didn't understand them. Even if I did understand them, that's why I didn't like the movie One Night in Miami. It's <sighs> all monologuing okay, the whole so damn the, movie. So the scene in the hallway, whenever he's going to kill the king, early on with Francis. No, the moment where he's walking in the hallway. Oh, his own internal go, monologue. Well, outward, but internal monologue. Yes. yes. Like that's, that's golden. That's you understood good. that though. Most of it. <laughs> I I consider myself a man with a pretty robust vocabulary. Yeah. I don't know 90% of the words that were said in this movie. <laughs> I was sitting here going like, oh my gosh, Shakespeare was a twat. <laughs> I mean, like, who talks like this? <laughs> so. Uh, I understand. I understand. And I'm not, I'm not saying I understand every single word. That's why the captions are great. <laughs> I guess. That's why they're necessary. But there, I mean, it is a play. So it's almost extrapolating. I, I guess I what, just didn't understand that it was going to be a play. I did not. You, I feel like you should have prepped me on that. I honestly forgot. So I, I, I felt like I tried. A, to, I felt like I tried to explain this three times, but it, I hadn't watched it in forever. No, you, no, I get we it. started it, and I don't blame you. I should have. And those first words came across like, "Oh, Jonathan's gonna hate this." Uh, it took me very quickly <laughs> to realize this is not a me movie. It doesn't. It, to me, like I said, I agree to disagree. It did not feel very Coheny to me. I felt like it was a waste of the talent they had here. Oh, not, not because they didn't do well. Just because I would have loved to have seen them in a Coen Brothers Western style retelling of the tragedy of Macbeth. But Western style isn't like, like, yes, that is, that is, that is an object in their Swiss army of like. That's what I'm saying. That's just the first thing that came to my head. But building this story in a Coen Brothers world would have been incredible. there There is a way to tell the story. So like succession. Because this is only like succession is described as a, a, a Shakespearean story. Like it is, it is a modern. I understand what they're saying in succession. A, 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 it is a modern you know take who, on and on a Shakespearean story. This is Hamlet is Shakespeare. Tragedy Macbeth. Or, um, yes. Tragedy Macbeth is this Shakespeare. This iteration of the Tragedy Macbeth is if Kendall wrote it. You're not completely wrong. I'm four episodes in, I get the Kindle vibes. Yeah. Kindle wrote this version. That's why it's pretentious. It is a little overindulgent. Yes. Um, but again, I loved it. I did not. I I'm gonna talk myself down to half a star. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah, I mean no. it's not gonna make me mad. No, like, I understand. No, I, no, it stays at three and a half stars. I recognize the talent it takes to monologue that and monologue with delivery. Yeah. It is aesthetically pleasing. The monochromatic is pretty. And the set pieces that are there. The set, it's all set pieces. To me, they could have done more with no, the set pieces. Because that is that is that is going to the theater. Like those are See, I don't like that. Oh, I love there it. There you go. See. Because it's it's it, if Jonathan was rating meant, this, it's meant to let your imagination fill in the gaps. You can't. When your imagination is trying to focus on what the hell they're saying the whole time. <laughs> What you realize, though, a lot of times is when it's not Shakespeare quotes, when 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 people are over expounding on different things, they're giving this huge long monologue to basically say, I'm sad and horny. Like that is what they're saying. And you basically 
you hear a lot of a lot of things twice to like overemphasize sometimes and it's just like it's uh, i already said this but it's kind of overindulgent sometimes i wonder if my dog's sad and horny because she's never been with anybody <sighs> probably but you've kind of taken that ability away from her she had her things cut out yeah her ovaries yeah um but like if you ever t- like rubbing her butt by her bottom yeah she like wants something in her butt all you the know, time you know who also See? probably had that same kind of issues uh Lady Macbeth and uh, Macbeth. She died sad. Because one of the big issues is... They couldn't have kids. He's told that he's told there that they, he's going to be king, but he's frustrated because how am I going to be a king and not have an heir? Yep. Um, and yeah, it's it's a big deal for them. It's something they struggle with. Uh, you still hold to the fact that McDormand's hot in this movie? I didn't say she was hot in this movie. I went and listened b- back. I might have... I didn't say you. There was nothing to listen back. <laughs> was a, it was a conversation <laughs> we had off. Yeah, I was gonna see if you had Oh it. my god! <laughs> listen, all right. This whole podcast is gonna be divisive. Here's what you need to know about the strategy to Macbeth. Monologues are good. Delivery of the monologues are good. It's pretty to look at. If I was rating this on pure enjoyment of the film, it'd be two stars. Um, that's what you should rate it then. I can't because merit of filmmaking. Is higher. I don't just rate films on pure enjoyment. Okay. I try to give it a always do on my reviews. Try to give it a full rounded rating. Yeah. For better or for worse. In this case, it actually works in the better. Um, it just wasn't for me, and I would love to see this exact same cast in something different with the Coen Brothers with another go around where they weren't talking like total douchebags. <laughs> uh, I love this movie. Um, not as much as I thought I did. Four stars doesn't sound like I love it. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. It, it, I think it might have been a four and a half originally. Okay. On a rewatch, there were moments where I was drifting. Um, the the first time I watched this, like I was, I was like captivated by by the style, by the by the by the monologuing. It was Bardo's it, better than this. F you, <laughs> Bardo is way better than this, and it's in Spanish. Oh god! I had to read subtitles the whole time and enjoyed it better. All right, we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna beat the crap out of Jonathan real quick. <laughs> oh my god! So so again, like I said, I, I love this movie, but I did bump it down, and I didn't even like. I think of the movies that we've done so far, it's towards the bottom. Yeah. Um, and because, that's to the Coen Brothers test because credit. yes, because outside of style. And probably, probably just casting. Yeah. Which again, when you're Cohen brothers, people are lining up to work with you. Um, there wasn't much new to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think overall, I think the biggest thing that was uh, really captivating to me that I didn't fully realize the first time through is how freaking bow-legged Denzel Washington is. You ever noticed that? No, I was trying to figure out what the hell he was saying. I didn't notice My how he walked. My dude is like... Is that a choice, though? No, I think he is like... Anatomically, like, he's bow-legged. He is old, too. And, yeah. He's in, like, his late 60s. And when dude gets his head cut off... Yeah. You don't you don't see that coming. I mean, I know the story. I knew. I actually knew it was coming. Oh, you knew the story? I had to you read it in high school. Oh, I remember there was a beheading. I know, but like how how all this, how it transpires, like the execution of it, quote unquote, the execution. 
I just, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm kind of lost right now. I'd forgotten how Lady Macbeth died. Yeah, I remembered how Macbeth died. Yeah, but Tom DeLonge's got a whole shoe line based upon Macbeth. <laughs> Macbeth, not Macbeth. But <laughs> listen, it's not good. Who, who's your, what, what's, who's your favorite casting in this movie? <laughs> Probably um, Harry Melling. Really? Yeah. Um, you obviously, know, the way the story, the original is written, he has the one of the higher arcs in the film. But just Harry Melling has a lot of good grace with me from whether it be the Pale Blue Eye, which came out earlier this year with um, uh, Christian Bell. He's one of the leads in there. Or this, Tragedy of Macbeth. I just can't help but see Dudley. What's his name from Harry Potter? Yeah, Dudley. Dudley. So anytime I see him in a role where he's like an adult and he looks kind of normal and he's doing pretty good acting, it's like, oh, hey, what a nice surprise. Good for you. So either him just cut from a nice surprise standpoint or the one that was most memorable, though, was Catherine Hunter, who played the witches slash yes. old man. Uh, talk about range, the old man. I didn't even know that was her until I saw the credits after. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Because what I don't do anymore is get on Letterboxd during a film because after watching Mulholland Drive, it ruined a kept it from being five stars from me because I looked at the freaking yep. casting and it gave a huge spoiler, spoiler yep. out there just by looking at the cast because it shows with the different parts they play. Um, so for me, Alex Hessel, Hessel, yeah, um, as Ross. You uh, watched The Bachelor and Bachelorette yeah. every season, right? I couldn't get past. He looked like Chad, Mega Meat Chad from uh, <laughs> JoJo season. No. Yes, he looks just like Chad. No, he doesn't. He's a porno guy now. Yeah, he only fans, I think. Uh, was porno for a while. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, a Alex Hassel, Hassel, whatever. Uh, he plays Ross. He, yeah. not he, from Friends. No, he he moves the story along. But you should pivot away from this film. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I you really weren't expecting for the hot takes to come in for this one. Uh, these aren't hot takes. I think you're just overall just just frustrated about these movies. So they're not takes. They're just I'm not frustrated <laughs> over raising Arizona. See, now you're acting like my wife. Whatever. I'm like my you're wife. Act, you're acting. You always you're, say that. You're, you're frustrated right now. You're mad. It's like I'm not mad. If you want me to get angry, I'll be mad. <laughs> yeah, you want to see me? You want to see me mad? I'll whip my dick out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you my brown hole. Anyway, listen. You just don't watch this movie. Watch this movie because we're doing a review of the Coen Brothers. You should be watch. You should have watched this movie. Every Terry Gilliam movie was better than the Tragedy of Macbeth. Okay, now now you're doing a bit. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You're gonna tell me you thought this movie was better than one hundred percent. It's better the than the worst Parnassus. Terry. G that's that's lies. That's not better than Imaginary of Dr. Parnassus. You're lucky I have nobody to call who has seen both of those movies, which is a <laughs> testament to both of those films that they're so understanding that nobody's seen both to give me a perspective. Um, um I, I you said what you said. I said what I said. I said we move on. All right, let's go on to raising Arizona before we start raising. He wait, hell wait. So up you said here. okay. No, I'm gonna leave it. Wait, I'm Harry. Mel it. Wait, what? No, go ahead. No, we're going to leave it. No, it's okay, because I think I we're done like we, discussing the film. Yeah, it, it's fine. Oh, no, I need to know now. Now they need to know. No, it's fine, guys. I I, I think overall there's a whole lot 
to talk about with the tragedy of Macbeth as far as the themes of it that we had. We all did. We all know the themes. We all had to do it in grade school. Maybe not at CCA. No, not at CCA. But at Marshall County, we had to. Yeah. It was required reading. Yeah. We had to watch plays. I think it's important, though, whenever you you familiarize yourself to these stories, you see how much it affects everything that you watch. Yes. Even from Shakespeare, to your point, like all Shakespeare does. Yeah. Which I think was when you look at the Coen brothers and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that they do like that is, it's not Shakespeare, but why is Luna so cute sometimes? Cause she is cute. She's over eight years old and she still looks like a puppy. Yeah. I just, I think overall the Coen brothers doing a movie like this is just showing appreciation for probably what inspires them. I I don't know. I don't know their motivations. I think this was a, let's do something different. Let's show some uh, diversity in our portfolio. And then they made this monologue. I mean, let's get something straight. Apple and A24 threw a lot of money at them. I'm sure to do this. Yeah, it didn't gross that much. Well, it was released during COVID. And it was, it was an Apple direct. You know, it wouldn't have grossed that much anyway. Can you imagine seeing this in a theater? No. Yeah, no, I, that probably would not have helped. No. <laughs> I mean, people would have walked out because they wouldn't know what's going on 15 minutes in. I watched The Green Knight in theaters. I loved The Green Knight. I loved The Green Knight, but it was have hard. Have we talked about that? No. When he came into his hand, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> I'm serious. I saw that in theaters and yes. people were like, Literally, there was this old man behind me. Goes, did he just jizz in his hand? And I was like, <laughs> "Yes, I mean, spoilers, man." That's a, <laughs> yeah. That and the last duel, you which you still haven't seen. Yeah. Those were two very interesting theater experiences yeah. for me. How was the Green Knight hard to watch in theaters? Uh, I watched it at Maiden Alley. I did too. It's did ex- we go together? No, we didn't because I went with Caitlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, uh, it was really, really dark. Like picture was really dark, so it's really hard to see was happening and some of the dialogue was just kind of hard to follow sometimes not compared to this yeah i, I could see that i'm not i'm not saying you're wrong that's why i said you gotta put captions on i just <laughs> now don't. now we can move on to raising arizona abby makes us watch everything with the captions including succession and all yeah. that stuff i think oh, they're a distraction suck it up I, when I'm playing video games I turn off captions that are default on because I, I feel like I start watching the captions even though I can hear what they're saying clearly and I'm not watching what's on the screen you're hearing everything clear no I need to just focus on what's happening on the TV and listen secondary let the pictures tell the story that's well, what film is for as a medium it's going back to the earliest days of silent pictures let's move on to Raising Arizona another film that I was <laughs> underwhelmed with however I still found enjoyment out of yeah. Raising Arizona. I had this film sitting at a four star prior. I lowered it to three and a half. So it took it a half star down. Okay. So if someone had not seen Raising Arizona, what would they expect? Nicholas Cage. Yeah. This is like uh, 1987 Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Looks just like my freaking dad <laughs> from back in the day. Um, Which is weird because I watched this with Caitlin and her, her first reaction is, man, Nick Cage is a dreamboat. You know, I've dated some people in the past that thought my dad was a dreamboat. And I'm uh, like, yeah, that's hopefully scary they're your mother. 
Excuse me? People who had dated your dad? No, I said people that I have dated. Oh, okay. No. That would have to dream about you go, hopefully it was your mother. I was like, <laughs> no, yeah, man, so I, just, no. I don't know what's going on right now. Misheard you. So Raising Arizona, in a nutshell, <laughs> it follows Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter. And uh, Nicolas Cage is like a deadbeat in and out of jail every, you know, every few months, few years, whatever. And the same lady books him every time, takes his pictures and he develops a, like a, a love, a crush on her, whatever. Um, to the point that he finally decides to clean up his life and, you know, propose to her and they start a life together. Um, on the straight and narrow. However, they can't have kids, so they decide they're going to go kidnap a kid of this, you know, Arizona billionaire furniture king, who uh, has five. So they break into the house. They go in there. They take a kid. That was one of the best scenes of the movie, uh, when he's trying to pick which kid and the hijinks that happen there. Yeah. And as they get the kid home, uh, you think you're about to really start your new life and his two best friends from prison, this pair of brothers, which is John Goodman and uh, Trey Wilson. Yeah, I couldn't No, remember. no, 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 no. William Forsythe. Yeah. Um, they sh- have escaped prison by escaping through the sewage tunnels and show up at Nicholas Cage's house and they are ready to like go back to their old life and they don't understand why Holly Hunter's put the squeeze on him and Nicholas Cage can't come play with the guys anymore, basically. And then they end up getting an attachment to the little boy, Nathan Arizona Jr. Uh, and they take the kid for a while. And then there's just like a tennis match of who, ping pong match of who gets the kid, who loses the kid, who, you know, whatever. Then Nicholas Cage and Holly Hunter want to take the kid back to the rightful owners. Yeah. And he doesn't want to press charges because he feels bad for him. They say they want to revor- divorce. He's like, sleep on it. Yada, yada. Movie ends. Nutshell at Raising Arizona. Yeah. I mean, that is. That's a very high snapshot. level. Nutshell. Yes. That is a snapshot. I, first of all, I think the Coen brothers have something to say about our prison systems. Yes. As far as uh, being a fugitive. Um, like a chronic fugitive. Yeah, chronic fugitive. Um, yeah, the, uh, what's what's Nicholas Car- Cage's character's name? Um, hi. Yeah, Hi. H I H I Herbert. Um, yeah, I mean he's he's basically he has no purpose outside of you know robbing convenience stores um, and ending up and badly, back in prison. Badly, yeah, ro- badly. Um, to basically like subconsciously putting himself back in prison because that's where he feels most like himself. Um. He gets a really big connection with everybody in there. Um, it's a couple funny scenes with him and uh, John Goodman. Mm-hmm. My favorite part in this movie was John Goodman coming out of the earth, screaming like a maniac. Yeah, your um, your review about his cathartic screams. Like you, you have to, you have to believe that whenever the Coen brothers saw him, just basically put on the display that he did in this movie, that they did not have. Was this the first Goodman? outing yes like this was i think this is what spawned uh walter not not walter yes big lebowski yeah big, yeah walter. walter this is what spawned walter by the way i'm trying to find you a picture of my dad from back in the 80s too. oh god um so i love that um holly hunter dude Babe. amazing why why was she, why was she not in more more things. But she was in a lot of things, wasn't she? Uh, not a whole lot. Like 66, she 66 films. Nothing. I don't know. 
Oh, brother, where art thou? So we'll get another yeah, dose we'll, over we'll, there. We'll see her again there. She's in Crash. She's in both the Incredibles. Um, mm. she's also won an Oscar and a. Did she win a BAFTA? BAFTA too. I'm sure. Um. Uh, anyways, Holly Hunter is amazing. Uh, didn't realize it was her until obviously I heard her talk. Um. And I think um. We're not going to get anywhere until you can find this picture of him, are we? No, no, no. I was actually looking at a Holly Hunter filmography, and I found oh, a yeah. weird film from 2014 with her and Al Pacino that immediately caught my attention. I was reading the synopsis and right. added it to my watch list. Right, to the watch list? Mangorn. What was it? Mangorn. Okay. Um, but it wasn't until... Um, it wasn't until... I guess it was... Uh, um, Ed's sister... And brother, which was Francis McDormand. Yeah, Francis McDormand. Dot and Glenn. Dot and Glenn. Whenever they visited, um, and they're swingers. <laughs> apparently, I, 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 I wonder. It makes you wonder. Was Dot really signing off on this? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because they're family. Yes, they are family. So but that's I like not, that feels weird to let your I husband mean, bone your sister. No, your your husband. Yes, yes, I see what you're saying. But then you're gonna have. A mixture of juices. That's just not good times. I mean, I, I met. <laughs> okay, you're changing the oil in similar vehicles. You I don't want that. All right. Yeah. You you just don't put your dipstick in like that. Um. Anyways, I think that is the best car analogy I've ever given, and I don't do anything with cars. <laughs> <laughs> that was all the range you've got. You got. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know where to put my wiper fluid. Mm. So, I think overall, though, this movie. It's not as funny as I remember. That, Although I remember thinking this movie was hilarious when yeah. I was younger. So the first time I watched this movie, my um so Caitlin's uh stepmom recommended the movie. She said like this is her her favorite movie and if if you know her like that's a very weird thing to say mm-hmm. just total just based off personality and watching it. I instantly loved it. Um and so when we did a rewatch, I told Caitlin, hey, I'm watching a movie. I don't know if you'll like it, but it has Nick Cage in it. And she's like, okay, I'm in. And she was sucked in the entire time. I don't know if it's because, like, you know, we, you know, personally, like, we want to have kids and, yeah. and don't have kids at the moment. And you kind of relate to the theme of it of just, like, Are you Have you been scoping up Violet? You're going to kidnap her? No. No. No You can worries. relate to the themes Listen, of it. Listen, when you're our age and you have friends like we do, like that all have kids, you have, there's a whole farm system of yeah, kids if you can pick it. So Violet's, Violet's on the list, but maybe not top. Violet should be top. Now I want her on oh, the top yeah? of the now list. Now you want her to take <laughs> yeah, you put her on the top of that list. <laughs> um, and so that, I think that spoke to her too. Just like. Luna's mad I didn't offer her up first. She came set by you. Um, just that need for paternity. Yeah. Um, and. Um. It was good. Like it wasn't overly emotional. I think the moment it kind of decided to strike that chord, it was timed perfectly. Yeah. Um, the moment whenever Arizona comes in and finds them there, and you see, you you fi- I feel like you finally see the connection that that Cage and Hunter really do have. Yeah. As a couple, and uh, 
It worked, man. I really liked it. Most of Raising Arizona really did work for me. Like three and a half stars for this film is not the same. Like I said, these three and a half stars are not created equal for <laughs> yeah, Tragedy Macbeth. Macbeth and Raising Arizona. Like I actually enjoyed Raising Arizona. However, f- from merits of a film, objectively, Tragedy Macbeth is a better film from performances, the way it's filmed, all that stuff. But Raising Arizona, first of all, it's, it's fiercely original. We forgot the best part. Which? The Apocalypse bike rider, whatever his name oh, was. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, the first, so when he's describing him the first go round, he's literally describing Ghost Rider. Yeah. And I was like, wow, full for circle Nick for Nicholas K. I was like, wow, you know, 20 years yeah. later, you're going to play Ghost Rider in a terrible Marvel movie and sequel. So, and then apparently going to reprise the role in Secret Wars, which, very excited about that. Wow. So some hot rumor out there. So I'll be all in on that. Uh, yeah, that was a weird ad or weird addition to it, but I kind of loved it. That was that was very Coen Brothers. Like yes. that was that I enjoyed. I was because I was literally before you brought that up. I was gonna say this had more of the Coen Brothers DNA on it than I thought um, the Macbeth had, but it still compared to that's that's why these two are my lowest rated films so far. All the other films have a very distinct Coen Brothers aesthetic style of cinematography thematic elements stuff like that Raising Arizona and Tragedy of Macbeth feel like a sidestep departure from a lot of the Macbeth staples that we've kind of become accustomed to with six prior films under our belt yeah for them and then knowing what I know of the ones I have seen that we haven't watched yet like No Country for Old Men Oh Brother Where Art Thou stuff like that the, these just feel like a weird detour compared to some of the other things that we, we, we have seen but as a comedy, this worked for me. As a drama, it worked for me. Three and a half stars is a good rating for a dramedy from 1987 for me. Um, but it, it to me, it, it was a little more dated than I was hoping it would be. Uh, in some ways, I thought it was a little more campier than I remembered it being. Yes. Um, yeah. But as a whole, I enjoyed Raising Arizona. It's just the shtick now has been done so many times, whether it be from three men and a baby or uh i look at, uh, the change up with jason bateman and ryan reynolds um yeah. you know we've seen this kind of premise a hundred times now and the, the thing though you didn't get a lot with the the parent dynamic it no. wasn't it was never i mean yes this was a movie about it's really a heist this film was a heist a baby heist no i don't think so yeah. no because everything was spurned on um high's inability to to accept his stage the stage of life that he was in yeah like domestication yeah the whole reason they the whole reason they feel like they need a kid or the the whole reason they want a kid is because they feel like they need a kid they should have a kid yeah and that that pushes them to you know i mean the, there's there's layers to these things um and Overall, like the issue, like when Nicolas Cage or when High is 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 sitting there talking with um uh, the the brother in law, um and Glenn. all the kids are going crazy. Like he's just looking around. I was like, this is this is not what I wanted. Yeah, like there's no way. And that that's what spurns him into robbing the convenience store. Yeah, it's it's not because you know I've got an itch. It's like I can't I can't deal with this this choice that I've made. Speaking of which, that, that the convenience store robbery where he robs it with uh, <laughs> the pantyhose. Yeah, the pantyhose on, and he has the daughter and wife with him. Yeah, 
and <laughs> she gets out of the car. Yeah, that whole next 15 minutes or whatever unfolding and just the chaos and pandemonium of everybody chasing after him was so absurd and I loved it. Yeah. That's one of my favorite scenes of the whole film. There's a there's a there's a point in Barry, which again, if you love the Cohen brothers, you would love Barry. I'm not telling Sam I'm saying it's those who are listening, not just to you. Uh but there's a there's a point in this the, an episode where it is the most Cohen brothers like episode I've ever seen hmm. having to do with this uh karate kid that Barry sent after to kill and this this kid basically turns out to like it's like a twelve year old girl that basically is Rambo whoop on Barry oh it's amazing it is some amazing TV but anyways it, it that that sequence does um. I think uh, it works really well. Yeah, and like I said, most of the movie works well for me too. I, I I enjoyed it. It's just to me lost a little bit of the magic it had when I was younger and thought this was like one of the funniest movies I'd seen. But Nicolas Cage gives you full range. Nicolas Cage here, you get all all a cage. I'm really surprised we have, we've never seen more Cage in Cohen uh, films. Yeah, he's probably holding out for the next one. Hopefully, he can play King Triton in a Cohen Brothers rendition of Little Mermaid because that's what Abby wants apparently so yeah I'm not sure who's asking for it but I guess that's Abby I mean knowing uh, Disney's track record record on these uh, remakes I mean that could be he may play live action Tiana at this point I mean that might be in the next couple years considering how quick they do these yeah yeah I'd be be fine with that Uh, I wouldn't actually that would be a nightmare but no uh, Raising Arizona as a whole it, it's a it's a fun movie. I had a good time with it, but this one and the tragedy about their bottom tier, Colin Brothers for me, and Blood Simple. I've just just it, my bottom three in this order of hierarchy would be Raising Arizona, Tragedy Macbeth, Blood Simple. My bottom three. Wow. Yeah. That's that's what I'm sitting at so far. What about you? Um, let me pull it up. I had it pulled up. I had. This not to my likes. It's riveting. Um, so I had Hudsucker Proxy. This is your last of of what we reviewed? So sad. Um, Hudsucker Proxy, Tragedy Macbeth, Blood Simple, Inside Lewin Davis, A Serious Man, Raising Arizona, Burn After Reading, Big Lebowski. So, Raising Arizona is top three for me right now. It I will, agree with two. It of your won't top stay three. there. It won't stay there, um, but Tragedy Macbeth. I mean, like I said, it it is the lower of of the films that we've done so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's all good. Is it? Yeah, it's all good. What do we want to do next? Though is the real question. I have an idea. Lay it on me. Um, do you want for our next week's yeah. Golden Brothers? Okay. And here's the thing: we're just going to produce this show live. Um. I think we got to save towards the end. We're obviously going to do No Country for Old Men. I think we need to do True Grit yeah. kind of together. Okay. I think those would kind of work well. Okay. What if we did... Uh, Hail Caesar and... The Man Who Wasn't There. The Man Who Wasn't There? Is that what you want to do? Yes. What's the title? So that is going to be. So, a man who wasn't there is a tale of murder, crime, and punishment set in the summer of 
1949, Ed Crane, a barber in a small California town, is dissatisfied with his life, but his wife Doris, uh, infidelity, uh, and a mysterious opportunity presents him with a chance to change it. Okay. Could do that. The man who wasn't there. Hail Caesar. All right. Hail Caesar's up there for me. I'm hoping I have a burn after reading moment with it because right now I have it logged at two and a half stars. Oh yeah. If if you liked burn after reading, you'll you'll like Hail Caesar. And I don't then, think it has. It doesn't have the the punch that burn after reading, but I think the performance in it are there's a broader scale of uh, performances. The man who wasn't there has a higher. It has a three point eight rating. Hell Caesar is a 3.2. Well, yeah, you've got freaking um, Billy Bob Thornton. Well, you think he's a magnet draw? I mean, I think he, I think Billy Bob Thornton just like brings it. You used to have such a great cast in this one. Billy Bob Thornton, Francis McDormand, James Gandolfini, Scarlett Johansson, Richard Jenkins, Tony Shalhoub, my boy Monk. Yeah, I like that cast. You know what else I like? Oh, Christopher, we got Shooter McGavin up in here too. You know what else I like though? What? I like a good spirited discussion. All right, let's do it. Uh, based off these other conversations, I, I don't I don't know how this is going to go. Lucky for you, that tequila made me sleepy, so I'm a little more subdued now. I had a feeling. It did. That beer that was going to happen. The purple haze, raspberry lager, and then the Monaco tequila. Yeah, you never do beer, beer before liquor. Beer before looking, never been sick. Some of you are getting drunk. No, I mean, it just hits you a little bit. Does it? Is that really what it means? I, yeah. I thought it was just, you know, whatever. Anyway, so for our topic, we, we mentioned it last week when we were discussing kind of what we we're going to say to give you a preview. We're going to be breaking down, you know, source material in general and what to do with it. So if you're making another film, like what are your thoughts on swapping the race, swapping the gender uh, for like already established ID and sources? Uh, are we good with it? Uh, what about plot changes on remakes? Uh, talk about the Little Mermaid, like where they choose to have Eric ram the boat into Ursula instead, or uh, Ariel ram the boat into Ursula instead of Eric. So I I don't have any other examples besides that one. So what's your initial thought on the usage and honoring of source material versus whether it be gender swapping or race swapping or something like that? I it depends on I mean it depends on the director depends on the studio like the overall intention of it all um like i haven't seen it yet but little mermaid um i didn't have an issue with it i think you're trying to overall you're trying to make a statement on something that is obviously going to be opinionated like there are people that like you're not going to change people's minds on certain things no and sometimes these decisions when they're based on um the the optics of it i think it is short-sighted and it doesn't serve the purpose that you think it does um that does not mean that those choices result or have good results but you can't expect it to change people's opinion which i think sometimes is the case yeah no i agree with everything you just said with that so like so let's just start with the easy one the layup with Little Mermaid. Yeah. You know, there's no good way to bring up the topic, but like, obviously they gender or race swapped Little Mermaid. You had Whitey White White Ariel in the cartoon. Now you have Haley Bailey, who's a woman of color. Yeah. Um, black woman, I'm not sure what's the best way to say it. 
Do you have a problem when they do that? No. Um, because I look at the Cleopatra show right now. It's the lowest rated review ever right now on Letterboxd and all, or not Letterboxd. Yeah. Well, Letterboxd is low too, but like Rotten Tomatoes, the lowest rated review show ever because they totally culture changed Cleopatra. Yeah. Um, and people are like, this isn't even close to being accurately correct. So they're going to do that for, you know, I, so the running joke now with like bad, bad movies, TV is like AI. And I yeah. think someone like basically in those situations, they, it, I don't, I'm not saying this is the issue, but it's almost like someone lets AI decide basic on, based on our cultural climate, cultural climate, what is the, sto- how could the story of Cleopatra be told differently? And that's what it spits out like yeah. that. There's no, there's no artistic like drive behind that. No, it's just, and you see, it now, it's just seizing on political and cultural opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with, um, you know, race switching, I think it's meant to give a different side of a story. Yeah. And, I, you know, me and Abby talked about that after we saw Little Mermaid, like the night before when I saw Kandahar, there were so many black families coming to see Little Mermaid. And when we were at the Little Mermaid for our showing, there were so many black families once again in there and the little girls were like just glowing, looking around like. So, because I haven't seen it, and I don't know when I will see it. In switching the race, like, does this version of the Little Mermaid try to draw attention to the color of her skin? No. Then there, then there should, then there shouldn't be an issue. Should shouldn't. Oh yeah, should not be an issue with it. The only person that should have in, to, uh, an issue drawn is, like I said, Javier Bardem. He's like boning all the women of the seven seas. He's got yeah. like seven daughters, seven seven ethnicities. I'll be honest. There are some movies that he's in. Like I, I, he's like a chameleon, um, truly. Um, so, anyways, uh, so yeah, I think that's the issue with race. I think like what, what are you really trying to tell? Um, some, some stuff that like it worked. Like the, like the movie we just reviewed, Macbeth, tragedy Macbeth. Like Denzel Washington is a black man playing, you know, what was always to be assumed, you know, an English like white man, uh, role. And I think the reason that it works is because a Denzel got chops. Um, has he been in any other like when you say chops? I'm trying to think. Has he ever been in a musical? I don't think so. I, I mean, I'm, like he just he he like he's an actor. Yeah. Um, he's and an he, actor's actor too. Yeah, he's he's an actor's actor, and doing roles like that are what set people apart. Um, and so. Yeah, I think in the, other, the other thing with Macbeth is there were other castings where, you know, there were um, men of color casted and women of color casted mm-hmm. where there probably would not have been in other previous renditions of it. But that's the thing with theaters because that's that's kind of the vibe that Macbeth gives. Is it is more of like a theater production of a show is that you would have these type of decisions made because it's not always about the 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 does this person meet the mold optically that we're casting? Is it it's, but it's the, um, it's the skill that this person brings to the part. Um, and that, I think that's, that's kind of motivated. You're crashing right now. Well, I see it. I see it in your eyes. Yeah. I'm, I'm rallying back now. Here's my question. Yeah. So Ariel is a beloved franchise, but Haley Bailey sword. Yeah. The reception has been very well for it, but like, 
James Gunn and everybody's always been met with a lot of resistance when it comes to like Superman. You have your Miles Morales, but you don't have a black Superman really anywhere until modern comics. Like, do you think a black Superman or regardless, do you change the ethnicity away from a white man? How's that going to respond? How's that going to like, I'm honestly more receptive to little mermaid being black than I am like Superman. I don't, I don't care as long as the story's good. I don't either to a degree. I mean, what's the degree? Like what, like what's the point if you're, you're, I, yeah. if it's a good story, I get it. But I feel like a lot of times, whether it be Disney or anything, they're just race, gender, whatever swapping. Yeah. Just to do it, to be culturally relevant. I don't know if that's the right word. But no, I mean, like, that's what they did with the Little Mermaid, though. I know. And it worked. Yeah. But. So why did it work? I don't know. I just don't love the, I don't love the motivation behind it. There's all, like, there, that's the, that's the driving factor behind every decision is motivation. Yeah. Like the reason that they, they pick Aquafina to, to be. Scuttle. A scuttle. Yeah. It, <laughs> Like you, people should have more issue well, with what, that. What about the rumor of her being the live action Moana, opposite of the Rock? In what role? Moana. No, no, she's not. Yes, she is. Aquafina. Aquafina. No, she's not. Yes, she is. No. See, you're not okay with that one. Because it doesn't make sense. Because she's Asian. No, because she's old. Just <laughs> kidding. Aquafina's not playing. Okay. Moana. Uh. So, what about things like the thing? I have a big toy down there, like Ben Grimm from Fantastic Four, the thing, you know, like the Rock Hulk. Yeah. Mila Kunis is rumored to be playing the thing in the new Fantastic Four film, opposite of Adam Driver and Vanessa Kirby and uh, Paul Mescal playing Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic in the Human Torch. Wait, give me the, give me the. Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic, Adam Driver and Vanessa Kirby. Or who's rumored to be the two? Uh, Paul Mescal being Human Torch, and Mila Kunis as, as the Thing. Now, granted, the Thing is ninety eight percent of the time going to be the Thing. Yeah, always be. It's never been it, a female in the history of any of the yeah, books. Yeah, but the ever. Thing is always the Thing. That it never changes back. Right, but it's never been a female. So what's uh, my question is like? The only reason they're doing it is to once again appease. And to be more inclusive. And I think there's always, without getting into like political Christianity kind of things, with this kind of thing, I think there's always room for inclusion. However, I just want to know the why behind it. Yeah. Like, what's the point in making And it's like Mila Kunis. I don't, that's that casting. And it's not even something she's going to be. You know, it's not like. I mean, she will be. I mean, if Vin Diesel. Can be the group. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, if you're going to do, if you're going to swap somebody who's already iconically male, do it for somebody who's actually going to be on screen as a person, yeah, you know no, what I mean? Not it. just a voice. Yeah. Because it's like, they're just, you're just asking for people to piss you off or yeah. get more mad. Like, I would rather them gender swap Mrs. Fantastic than. I think, I think they float those things. To see the potential reception. Well, no, I, I think they sprinkle that stuff with the Paul Mescal or. The 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 uh, Kirby, what's her name? Vanessa Kirby. Vanessa yeah. Kirby's to it, it's kind of like a news dump on a Friday type of thing. It's like let's see how many people actually notice this and see what the reaction is without blowing it way to our proportion. So I think I think a uh, um, Mila Kunis drop is more or less trying to 
soften other info to see what the true response might be, if that makes sense. Yeah. I would love to just see uh, Chris Evans come back and be Johnny Storm. I think Paul Mescal, though, that, that, I mean, that's not me just loving Paul Mescal. I, I think that would actually be a decent cast. Well, it'll be decent because it'll, we'll have to see him be something I haven't seen him be in a lot of films, yeah. which is quirky, weird, smart, alecky, arrogant. Which I think he can be because his, his, the role that he played in Aftersun kind of had that side to it. It had an insinuation to it. Yes. But um, I don't think any of the other stuff is like that. No, it's not. I can tell. Adam Driver, though. I'm. If it wasn't John Krasinski, Adam Driver, that's a perfect. I, I was hold. I was begrudging to it in the beginning, but the more I hear about it, the more I see the photoshopped posters of him in the suit. I'm like, I could, I could get into this. I could get it. Yeah. Like what you can get into Adam Driver. Sure. Um, yeah. And Vanessa Kirby, like, I don't, I don't care. The, yeah. the, just, I don't care. You know, no one's ever going to top Jessica Alba. <laughs> okay. Uh, so a last question really about this, like when it comes to like changing and plots and stuff like that, you know, Disney's real big about making this big statement. Like, you know, the princesses don't need men. They get, they're their own heroes or their own salvation, which is fine. I don't care about that. But when you already have a super established IP and then you change a core pivotal moment, in the film, like for instance, Eric is now no longer saving Ariel after, you know, he's trying to get, He's trying to get revenge on in the film. He's trying to get revenge on Ursula for all the chaos she's shown. So it makes sense to have Eric do that. Yeah. And yeah, sure, it makes sense to have Erica or Erica Ariel do that too. Now we gender swap. Yeah, Erica. <laughs> That'd be like their baby. Uh, that's how we got Melody. You know, it makes sense to have her do that. She has the same motivation, but like, I don't know. I don't. I didn't love. I. I hate. Actually, I hated that. I hated that swap. Yeah, I. It's the type of thing, if you're taking something that has been perceived, it, I don't have, I, even hearing about it, I don't see myself having an issue with it. It depends I may be the on, only person on the planet It really, does. It truly depends on, like, is Eric just portrayed to be a simp this whole movie? No. Like, there is some, like, like oh, you said, he's, like, he's. He's 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 chivalrous, mm-hmm. but you feel like that chivalry needs to be fully displayed by saving the girl. I think it would have gone because, a long way because in your eyes, that's true to the original. It's true to the original, and like I, I think it would have had to me more of a merit payoff for what had happened, like him really getting back. Yeah, so you just think it's it's bad storytelling. I, I do. Yes, and that's fair, and. It's also just a Disney trend. Yeah. So I, I don't like that either. But you got to think at some point Disney realizes these type of things. And yes. So there's a new Disney movie or is it Pixar? Disney and Pixar. Wish. Elemental. Oh yeah. It comes out next week. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see what that, how that's going to be because again, you have, you know, two characters that, I don't know when it when it talks to like the fire and the water. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Forget that. Well, people have been mad. Not mad, but like Twitter is a freaking echo chamber and Twitter doesn't matter. But that's like what the main thing I use. So you get like the most toxic, but also some of the most honest and like interactions sure. you get with people. People are mad that Disney won't make a movie like Elemental with what they're really trying to say. Like Elemental people are gauging based on previews. It's about a 
what would be perceived in the real world as an interracial relationship, two cultures that don't normally mesh together oh, with yeah. parents who wouldn't accept it, but instead they're doing it via the guise of an animated movie with hot with fire and water. Yeah. And people are upset saying Disney's cowards, they wouldn't do this in real life. Like we've seen that done in real life. That's boring. I'd way rather watch those kids are and you're also indoctrinating is not the right word, so that's a good thing. But you're also teaching inclusive you know, inclusiveness and tolerance and acceptance in a way that they're gonna understand it. Yeah. And you're gonna they're gonna have more readily available access to see it. In in doing it in the way that Elemental's choosing to do it. And they've all and yeah, and historically yeah. well, they've I, always yeah, done. I, that 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 was I think the point that I was gonna make is that choosing it choosing to do it that way does not put it into a box. Right. Because the moral impact that it has goes beyond how you just view race. Like there yeah. are all different aspects of of those types of issues and confrontations that you face that are applied in all kinds of different areas in your mm -hmm. life it's in the workplace it's in your your personal relationships it's you know it's everywhere it's even i, I don't know man it's it's in walks of faith like yeah. those types of things um it's not just skin color and it's just it it's funny it's ironic how studios and and all this different things will try to capitalize on um these issues in in ways that are trying to tell us to be more open-minded be more uh inclusive but it's it's telling a very singular story yeah. very, in a very singular view yeah. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't help, like you said. No, I agree with that. So like when it comes to changing stories though, too, like look at Scorsese. Yeah. What if he has like uh Peter die on the cross instead? <laughs> or Pontius Pilate says yeah, I'll do it in your place. I don't know. That'd be a choice, artistic choice. Or if Jesus and Pontius Pilate had a secret love affair. Oh man, you said it, not me. I don't believe it. I'm just saying, what if, man? Yeah, people thought that Mary Magdalene's The streets are talking, man. You want to talk about the death of whatever company published that? I, mean, I think there's enough. If the Da Vinci Code can make it, like... The Da Vinci Code was not blasphemous. Not really. <laughs> Neither was Angels and Demons or the yeah. one in between them. Maybe it was Angels and Demons. What was the second one? Angels and Demons. What was the third one? There was a third one? Maybe not National Treasure. I don't think there was a third one. I think you're sleepy. Dude, I am. And it's like, I think it was that tequila. Yeah, I guarantee it was the tequila. That was like a freaking straight shot of tequila. It like shocked my system. <laughs> yep. And then it made me crash hard. It's, it's probably the sugar in it. <sighs> I bet it's got a lot of sugar in it. It's gluten free. Yeah, it is. Those are Ellie's. And I had two fig bars. 9%. I don't believe that. Yeah, it's liqueur. Liqueur. It's got liquor in there too. I mean, it is a liqueur. Oh. Liqueur. I can't talk. You tired too? Yeah. It doesn't say where it must be on the box because this comes in like a big mix box yeah. type thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not gonna tell you. This is great podcasting right here. Just read the bottles. A Monaco tequila sunshine. We promise the next movies we review, Jonathan will, will actually be into. So I, we get a little uh, bit I more even conversation. I ahead at the rest of them. I, I think that we chose the only two left 
Are you serious? There is a rom-com in this mix. I will know what I'm expecting from that. Which I'm, I will say, is it Lady Killers? Everybody um, hates Lady Killers, except for like my pharmacist. He loves it. He even gave me a copy of the movie a few months ago. Yeah. Uh, it's a, their lowest rated film. Yeah, Lady Killers. I say we do Lady Killers and Intolerable Cruelty together with... Oh, three? Well, yeah, because we've got an odd number. Oh, okay. We do Intolerable Cruel- Cruelty, Lady Killers, and Ballard of Buster Scruggs. Because I think, because I think, Ballard- not next week though. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, yeah, next week we're doing go. the man who wasn't there, and uh, what was the other one? Hell Caesar. Hell Caesar. I'm excited to give Hell Caesar another go because how much I love Burn After Reading. Yeah, but um, well, hold no. on, hold on. I think I missed. I thought we had 18 movies. No, I've got 19. I've got 19. Excuse you. Um, let's go ahead and plan this out so that we know. All right, we're doing some some on air production. So this with you year, again. this week, we're doing the man who wasn't there in Hell Caesar. All right, I say the next week, and we're gonna pair those last three together like that. Yeah, and let me pull it up. I say we do the next week. Let's do uh Fargo and Arthur th- Barton Fink. Ooh, see, I was thinking you do Oh Brother Where Art Thou because you got two separate worlds. Mm-hmm. I think the worlds are like the big thing. Yeah. There. And um, which other one? I think Miller's Crossing and the uh, the Barton Fink would be good. For after the man who wasn't there? So um, so this week we do the man who wasn't there in Hell Caesar. And so next week you're yeah, saying. Yeah, let's do Miller's Crossing and. Yeah. Oh, and Oh Brother. Or, Martin Fink. Martin Fink. Arthur Fink. Barton Fink. Barton Fink. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> then you want to do the e- three? Either the three or Fargo and Oh Brother Art Thou. What do you think? I say we do the three. Okay. So we don't end on the three. Yeah. I'm, I don't want to end on the three. Well, no, I want to end on no, on no We're ending on no country. Okay. So yeah, I, I say, so we have the man who wasn't there and Hell Caesar this week. Next week we have uh, Barton Fink and Miller's Crossing. And the next week we're gonna do Fargo and Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah. And then the next week we'll do True Grit and No Country for Old Man. All right, we got it, dude. Like Which it. is kind of exciting because so I haven't seen the man who wasn't there, and it's been so long since I've seen Hell Caesar. That'll be like fresh eyes. Yeah. I've never seen Barton Fink or Miller's Crossing. Me neither. So that'll be exciting. Then we'll do the three, which I haven't seen. Lady Killers or Intolerable Cruelty or The Ballad of Buster Scruggs all the way through. I haven't seen any of them. Then, it's been so long since I've seen Old Brother Who Art Thou in Fargo. Not sure I remember fully all both of those. Yeah. And then you get into True Grit and No Country for Old Men. So there you go. Now I'm very excited because we have a plan. And who's our next director going to be? I have an idea. <laughs> we got we, we got a few weeks. We, That's we, not that we, long. That. All right. So what's what's your idea then? Uh, Hang on. Pull it up. Make sure I got the right. No, not taxi. That was still. Let's see. It's just because I say we either do Jonathan Glazer. Yeah. He only has three major films that are currently out. Um, besides the one that one cans, Zone of Interest. Yeah. Uh, so you have Under the Skin, Sexy Beast, and Birth, or we do the. Oh, who's the other director I really like that only has like three movies? I, I don't know. You do know. 
I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, we could talk about this one later. Yeah. So I'm sure you guys have enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, hey, like you said, this is this is exciting. This is the uh, this is the on air stuff, y'all 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 love because it's the mostly mostly part. Uh, oh man, what a long time ago it's been since Men and Chicken. Wow. Whole yeah. Nother, whole another lifetime. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I can't see it. I'll have to find it another time. Uh, but yeah, this has been another episode. Oh, you didn't watch the hot spot. No, I, I will. Uh, watch it. I've got it on my list. I think that. Blood Simple's the poor man hotspot. Have you seen Air yet now that it's out? Uh, I will. I, I, really I went too. back and forth. I knew I was going to watch a uh, Ben Affleck movie before I got here today. She chose was, the wrong one. Well, it was a time thing. I didn't have yeah. enough time for it. Gotcha. Uh, well, this has been another episode of Mostly Film. Uh, and if your ears are tingling, your body is numb, but not your left side. Your right side. Right side's the good side. Like, subscribe, and leave us a five. We're rhyming here today. I'll eventually drop a rap album about mostly film. Um, no, I won't because I don't even do the social media like I should. But anyway, we'll uh, we'll have this episode out to you soon. Um, obviously, if you listen to it, it came out. So uh, we love you all. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan McCorder, joined by my illustrious, beautiful, amazing co-host, who hopefully by this point has watched Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So this will be my last time saying, Je peux Baton. All right, guys. We will, we will see you guys next week. Bye. See ya. Bye.